Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in Rose City to Soccer Made in Portland. I'm Ryan Clark, joined by Chris Reifer. It is a bit of a rainy week here in the Pacific Northwest. Not icy, though, thank goodness, because I was trapped in my house, as many people were, for uh, about a week and a half <laughs> to, to a point where I was I was getting a little stir-crazy, Chris. I'm sure that uh, you may have had a similar experience. I'm honestly surprised we didn't record an episode purely out of boredom. It, it helped, <laughs> frankly, that we like didn't, last week didn't have a whole lot to talk about. We got more to talk about this week. Uh, oh, yeah. So the, it hit the, the, fan the, the weather week, thawed, yeah. and as did the, the Thorns moves in particular, uh, after a deep, deep, deep freeze on that front over the last few months uh we finally got some some you know some some sunnier skies uh on on the thorns end but yeah it was i'm I'm surprised we didn't like contrive something to talk about uh given you know given the lack of other things to do yeah i mean i I didn't have internet for 24 of those hours because my my power was out (laughs) and so our house was uh was literally basically frozen solid for we we were luckier than a lot of people you know there are some folks that are still without power right now and there has just been such an institutional and infrastructure related failure (laughs) to to address those issues in this in this city um what a mess but yeah it turns out elevated power lines uh lots of trees and old pipes are not a super great combination when you have a weird freak ice slash windstorm. Yeah, that's that's yeah, rough. And, the, and these things just didn't used to happen. So you know, welcome to welcome to our new world. Yeah, ice slash windstorms. It's great. Um, so that's weather made in Portland. That's weather made let's, in Portland. Let's let's shift to some soccer made in Portland. The Portland Thorns uh, have re-signed a trio of veteran players, legends of the game, led local legends. You know, uh, Becky Sauerbrunn, Megan Klingenberg, Christine Sinclair, all re-signed to one-year deals. Um, presumably the final year in Portland and potentially as professionals, uh, depending on which one you're talking about. Potentially um, for all three. I mean, it, yeah, it's, potentially it, for it's all in three. that, you know, that, that, that range of their careers at this point. Yeah. And so those are, those are important signings and ones that we figured were coming, particularly the Sinclair one, which was a foregone conclusion. She has already talked about how she wants to end her career in Portland, have one year where she's not playing international soccer and is just playing for her club. Um, you know, any role minimal or otherwise that you have for Christine Sinclair is going to be a good one because her, her leadership is undeniable and her experience is unmatched on several levels. So that's obviously a huge one to have back. 
Sauerbrunn is big too because there had been sort of the rumblings, whether they had any merit or not, um, of her potentially leaving and and finding another club in NWSL to to finish out her career. Uh, good that they retained her, be, particularly because of the lack of depth on the back line, which still, Got even it. with her resigning, is yep. a problem. Yep. Um, and then same with Klingenberg, you know, somebody who, um, you know, she might not even be a starter this coming year with the, uh, you know, Reina Reyes explosion that sort of happened toward the end of last season and, and the talent that's inevitable. But it's still or, the position on the roster. So, I mean, as yeah, you fill yeah. out the depth chart today, she's she's starting at left back and Reyna's at right back. Yep, exactly. And so those are all key signings. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think those are the first things you check off the list. And then there's there's more to talk about uh, in terms of Thorne's transactions, but just your first blush reaction to just getting those pieces done. Uh, I mean, it, it's not shocking that they got those pieces done. Uh, I also think it is, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say it was a foregone conclusion on all of them, but it would have been a flashing red lights moment frankly, if they hadn't been able to re-sign any of, any of them, I think there was the greatest suspense about Sauerbrunn. Uh, frankly, I I think there was not a... I mean, I think there with Sauerbrunn in particular, uh, it very much seemed connected with the sale, the fact that she was re-signing uh, and that there was new ownership. She talked a lot, uh, even in a channel in which you wouldn't expect a lot of talk uh, in the press release sort of about the new era and the new ownership and and wanting to be part of that. Uh, so that's me reading between the lines, but I think it's a fairly clear read between the lines that that was a big factor for her. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's significant <laughs> that they did nothing for months uh, before the sale. And then after the sale, there now has been a flurry of activity. I, I don't think it, it, I don't, I think it would be foolish just to chalk that up to coincidence. Um, you know, Christine Sinclair was probably coming back regardless, right? Uh, you know, that that wasn't much of a question, but I think there were questions about the others. So it's, it's you know, necessary to, I think, bring some of these folks back, but it's also not the end of the story. If, if all they're doing is bringing these folks back, they're going to be a worse team in 2024 than they were in 2023. And so in many respects, the additions are going to be what, what decides this. We've got a couple of those that we're going to talk about in a moment. Um, but, uh, but you know, I, I think that's going to be where the real action is in this offseason and is going to determine the Thorns' fate in 2024. But look, it's a good thing to retain people of the quality of, of Megan Klingenberg and, and Christine Sinclair and Becky Sauerbrunn in the club. Uh, these are... These are really good people. They're really good play. They're good players still who can still contribute on the field uh, in appropriate roles. Uh, and I think that role looks a little bit different for each of them uh, and will look a little bit different, could look a little bit different depending on what the Thorns do from here. So uh, so necessary, but but not adequate to create a successful offseason is, is sort of the way I would I would characterize that that batch of re-signings. And in terms of the the outgoing and incoming transactions that have happened, uh, most of it has happened over the last basically twenty four hours. It's been kind of a yeah, whirlwind been for a, Thorns a fans. Wild few days, wild few days for sure. Uh, from the re-signings, obviously, to these you know reports of transactions and official transactions and everything else. But just going in order, um, 
you know, Isabella Obaze was the first one. She she transferred in from Swedish club FC Rosengard. She's 21 years old, a defender. Um, you know, I, I believe Danish projects more. Yeah, Danish international. Believe projects as more of a uh, more of an outside back than a, than a center back, but it, she plays both and has played both. So that that is a, a depth piece probably a development piece more than anything and somebody that could factor into the starting lineup in the future if if she you know pans out the way that obviously the thorns are hoping that she does um that was the first real sort of move of the offseason for them uh, and then this week uh the the big ones are they traded rocky rodriguez to angel city fc which is obviously heartbreaking for a lot of thorns fans um but a move that in all likelihood is going to potentially become necessary to make room in the midfield, at least in the starting lineup um, for, for a move to come with Jesse Fleming, the Canadian international who um, currently plays for Chelsea and is reportedly according to, to very reliable reporters over in England uh, headed to Portland for an NWSL record, uh, almost $320,000 transfer fee, which is, big moolah and and so we'll have a lot to talk about with fleming but um you know maybe starting with obaze and, yeah. and sort of what where she projects out what what you know stands out a little bit of there. a question i think where she projects out where on the back line she'll ultimately land uh interesting signing i mean these are you you want clubs to be making signings like this it is a pretty sizable jump especially in terms of depth uh from uh from sweden to the nwsl and so i i think that's something that you've got to take into account when considering what her likely sort of impact is in year one. I think this is probably a longer term kind of move to see if she's somebody who can make this jump and sort of grow into uh, a role than somebody who you would expect to occupy one of those starting spots on day one. If that happens, great, amazing, but it's an unreasonable expectation to pile on her coming in. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think you should probably think of the move in that way that this is a longer term play. Oh, but you want teams, even in, in moments in which they need immediate help, which the Thorns do need immediate help, uh, especially on the back line. Uh, it, it, you want teams still to be making those kinds of moves, right? Because sometimes those kinds of moves turn into Olivia Moultrie. And uh, and that's that's a good thing. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it's, it's a good move for the Thorns to make. Uh, she seems like a really interesting player, but also seems like a player that's got some growth to do to be ready to compete you know, at, in the deepest league in, in the world, the, uh, the, 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 the Rocky moves. I, I mean, I think you have to talk about the, the trade of Rocky Rodriguez in the context of signing Jesse Fleming. Frankly, if we we're looking at Rocky alone without the Fleming signing appearing imminent, uh, it would be slightly panic inducing. Right? Uh, yeah. You would have thought, Oh, what, what's the next move? Like, why are they doing this yeah. now? Is there it, without the, the obvious and clear move that, that was reported even before the Rodriguez trade, we yeah. wouldn't really have known what the next move was. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it is understandable. I think eminently understandable in the context of, of being on the verge of completing the signing of Fleming or having completed and now going through sort of the finalization process. Uh, of that signing uh in terms of rocky rocky's contributions to the thorns were really significant uh, she scored some significant goals but also just has been a player that has sort of done a lot of different things for this club over the course of the last several years she loved being in portland uh 
a a person who was i mean i think you saw it on twitter uh from folks like sophia smith and bella bixby uh you know uh, lamenting to some extent her loss which by the way like raised a flag in my mind you see this in other leagues but it's like does sophia smith have veto power over like the thorns moves right now given that she should be in in sort of like uh the 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 context of contract extension talks um frankly if if i was leading the thorns i would probably be checking in (laughs) with soph uh on some stuff clearly she didn't hear because she's very close to rocky uh and with rocky moving on Oh, but yeah, that's and nobody's going to ever want that to happen to. And that, that that's the thing. And what had made so Rocky, so Rocky, so important to the thorns, right, is that she was like undeniably one of the representative yeah. players to their culture, you yeah. know, to, to the to what has made the thorns great over the last decade. You know, she was one of those defining players. Yeah, no question. And, you know, I, I I was always, frankly, a pretty big fan of her game as well. I think she was a a really good two-way midfielder when she was played in that role uh who uh although uh had some inconsistency at times uh when she was in good form and she frequently was uh could be a real difference maker in terms of being a zone mover uh and 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 somebody who could uh who could create space with the ball at her feet uh and get things moving i i think in many ways she was a prototypical number eight which is uh, interesting because it's not where she plays or has played for many other clubs that was a little bit of an adaptation for her and i think that shows a real maturity in her game uh to be able to do some different things like that and be able to do it at a high level and so i i very much consider myself a member of the rocky rodriguez rodriguez fan club uh i'm not sure mike norris was (laughs) uh and i think that may have been largely the disconnect uh i i think norris struggled to find uh to put trust in her and to sort of find a consistent role for her she was in and out uh sometimes with success sometimes without success uh and frankly those inconsistency issues did come up last year are more likely to come up when a player, uh, when a coach isn't quite sure how to use a player within a system, uh, and that player is not getting consistent starts. So that's not to say that, that that's a fault of of, of Rockies. Uh, that's something that you frequently see when you're in a position like Rocky was last year. So yeah, you know, I, I, I mean, I, 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 get I liked it. the double pivot that they did with her and it with was Sam. The best soccer but, they played last year. I thought so too, but. You know, sometimes he didn't rate her. Sometimes, uh, you know, there was the injury concerns, obviously, during part of the season. It was never she never was really able to sort of find a consistent rhythm. I I don't think I do think that that obviously factored in. But I, I think probably the more significant factor was the idea of making room for Moultrie to step into a bigger role and making room for obviously Jesse Fleming yeah. is coming into town and, and, you know, they, they typically have preferred Hina Sukita in the midfield, but maybe she's a winger now. So that, that could be, that could be it. And she, them. and she, I mean, you, again, when you talk about when the thorns were playing their best soccer last year, Hina was playing as a winger, uh, that Hina was playing as a winger and they had, uh, they, they had coffee, Rocky and crystal Dunn playing in central midfield. I thought that was their best unit last year. Um, and if the idea is to recreate that, what I mo- hope, mostly hope for for Hina is just consistency in where they put her. But, but because they had those sort of issues in central midfield uh, last year because of some injuries and international absences and all of that kind of stuff, Hina was just constantly moving around, which I, I, I think 
again, makes it just really challenging to to become effective. I think Sugita can be effective as a winger. Uh, I think that midfield that you're looking at, I, I think you're exactly right that there's a bigger role for Olivia Moultrie in it. Uh, and Jesse Fleming is obviously assuming the signing gets completed, uh, is going to be a major, major part of that. I, I think the uh, a midfield anchored in particular by Fleming and Coffey very well could be among the best in the league. Uh, you know, Fleming is sort of an eight to eight ten type. Uh, I think Sam Coffey is is sort of obviously the six. Uh, where and how they work out the balance between Moultrie and uh, and Fleming, I think, is a reasonable question. But Fleming is is a player who does two way work. Uh, she she is not sort of an out and out ten. This isn't an Evander situation uh, to look at at, uh, at the Timber side. Uh, Fleming is 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 a player who's going to do two way work and isn't going to just completely expose Coffee uh, back there, which we saw at times last year when they would play Crystal Dunn and Christine Sinclair together uh, with Coffee in central midfield. I don't think that'll happen with Fleming. I think the balance seems to work better, but exactly how they're going to work out that balance with Moultrie, I think, is is a question. Uh, and then you know, I think the assumption is, but it's not an entirely safe one that that Sugita will be out on the wing. I like. I, I, I like that setup. Uh, yeah, I do too. And I think that Moultrie is much more uh, suited to just, just being a true number 10 uh, with, with opportunities yep. to maybe move around a little bit. But I, I think, you know, she her work rate is great. I think that, you know, she's somebody that is capable of bringing the type of pressure, maybe not as much pressure as like a Morgan Weaver, but the type of pressure up top that you want to to play Thorne's soccer, right? And I, I do think that Hina is much better served out in a wide role uh, for this Thorne's team than maybe in, in a central midfield role, just just because of what she brings you um, in, in terms of her skill, speed, and, and passing ability. It's 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 very very high and and so you think about like how they would line it up with weaver smith sugita moving back to moultrie fleming coffee Sauerbrunn and Hubley right now probably being yeah. the center backs uh, and then Reyes and Klingenberg at, on the outside with uh, with not Bella Bixby in goal That's right. because Bella Bixby, congrats. another piece of news, congrats to, the, to her. To She's, she is pregnant. So that is, that is a really exciting moment for, for her and her family. Uh, congrats to her. She won't obviously be playing this year, I would imagine, at all um this season just for the best, just, for the best reason imaginable, though. Yeah, literally the best reason imaginable. All, all the, the same thing them. when... Yeah, yeah. When Crystal, um, you know, was training through her pregnancy, that was that was really fun. Um, there probably won't be as much of that for Bella, just by the nature of her position. But you know, she'll be out there. She loves this team. She's a big part of this team. So I'm sure fan, uh, Thorns fans and and media and everybody that's out there will will see her around um, because she's she's another one of those culture people that is just like a big part of what this Thorns team does. But um, but yeah, that's sort of how the lineup is is looking right now um for the thorns and and i think the money part is interesting because obviously you bring in the 275 from rocky um folks might have forgotten by now that the thorns brought in about 275,000 from the lindsay haran deal so that that's sort of the the coffers right now is is what you have from those two transactions about 550 g's um if the fee is what it's been reported to be that's about 320 tacked off of that you got like 220 maybe left to work with if you use all of it don't really 
know all the mechanisms by which you would yeah, I mean, use the money exactly, and you're not going to use all of it. Exactly but. how the NWSL salary cap works too is not clear, even sort of in reading NWSL roster rules and the CBA. Uh, so, I mean, they, they, there's there's a real lack of clarity in terms of how it works and, and how salaries hit the cap and how transfer fees hit the cap and all of that. Uh, so, you know, the, you're right though that they have accumulated some assets. It looks like they're they're using a decent chunk of those assets to bring in Fleming, uh, but you know it's a, it's a it's a significant first move uh, for for a new ownership group, uh, and frankly, I, I thought a couple things about the transfer fee. First, I was a little bit surprised that it was a sort of NWSL record transfer fee for Fleming. Fleming's a very good player, but I'm not sure that she's kind of at that level. Yeah, but to some extent. I don't know if I care because if anything, I mean, posting that kind of a transfer fee this early in a new ownership group is sort of a statement of intent more than anything else. And I think it is fair to say that there has not been a ton of spending on the thorn side, either in terms of infrastructure uh, or just in terms of acquisitions in the last few years. Uh, And I think this is a very clear indication that, the Bethals intend to do things very differently. Um, and it's a, a, a statement of intent that they plan to invest uh, in this team. They've, they've made that clear with respect to a training facility. Uh, and it looks like now through their actions, they're making it clear in terms of, uh, of their player acquisitions as well. Yeah, and I don't think it's a wild overpay either. No, you no, know, no, no, I, not by any means. And I, I know that's not what you're <laughs> yeah, saying. Yeah, not but by like, any means. There, but you know, there I mean, is the concern for sure. So, and and, and I don't think it is. I, I think that if anything, it's a it's a mild overpay. But like you said, a statement of intent is is an important thing too. Yeah. And frankly, those type of fees are going to get eclipsed very quickly. That's not going to be an NWSL record for long. So, that's going to be an NWSL record for like five minutes. <laughs> not long yeah. at all, uh, given the money that is very rightfully uh, coming into this league. I mean, you know, in in, in the few things that 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 uh, the Bethels and, and uh, Lisa Bethel Mirage has said, sort of since uh, since taking over the ownership, that's been one thing that's been fairly clear that they see a very clear investment case uh, for investing in NWSL and investing in women's sports, which. I think is 100% correct to the point of being forehead slappingly obvious. Uh, but somehow a lot of people don't see it. Um, and, and, but it seems like they do. Uh, and, and it seems like they are making those statements of intent, uh, both in terms of the direct roster spend and, and the, uh, the infrastructural spend. And that's, I, I think, you know, a real reason for Thorns fans to be excited. For sure. And, and, you know, it'll be interesting to hear from Lisa Bethal Mirage and others in, in the near future as well. Obviously, an open invitation standing on this podcast for, for her to come on we, we, uh, and, we got and meet the soccer community. Uh, Ryan we do. Can make we have movie so many. Recs. Like, there are lots of, <laughs> lots of really good, good reasons to, to, to come on here. I, I can make weather, you know, recommendations and, and weather stuff. recommendations. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> don't love an umbrella i mean what otherwise <laughs> otherwise you're weak in the eyes of portlanders it's like a faux pas or what's the what's the I, recommendation I, i'm actually i'm i'm not a militant anti-umbrella person i think that's a little bit trite uh sure you know i i think if 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 you're like wearing clothes where you're like hey a 
like rain jacket is not pragmatic why don't i go with an umbrella that is a perfectly sensible choice to make it is raining and you don't want to be wet okay hot take yeah well you know the- i mean this is the kind of this is the kind of stuff that 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 i present i mean if if lbm who i'm 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 going to try to get that going lbm uh if she's wondering about sort of like portland you know expectations and and that kind of stuff uh that is one of the things that i offer forget the anti-umbrella junk if 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 an umbrella makes sense for you you do you yeah that's that's the beauty of this city right um another team that we that we can talk about is the portland timbers who are actually getting started here pretty soon yeah. in, ter- in terms <laughs> of games they're, they're playing up. in feet they're playing in phoenix in two days uh, right in uh, in two days yes we're recording this podcast on thursday and they are playing phoenix rising fc in a preseason game uh on saturday interesting little connection there i was in college when phoenix rising fc was becoming a thing um i did like a like a one of my school projects was to sort of like do like an enterprise type feature story and i got to you know interview folks out there uh when they were starting up phoenix rising building the new stadium uh that they have out there in tempe wonderful town tempe arizona uh was was that pre-drogba yes that's too bad. Yeah. Yeah. That but I, I think he might he might have been playing there while I was there at some point. I it it's it's a little foggy. My college Ev- experience is a little foggy. Yeah. E- well, and also all, all USL experiences get a little foggy as well. Yeah, it's and and they're they're the champs too. They've yeah. they've they're coming I mean, off one of the that, one so. of the premier clubs in, in USL. So it'll be fun to I don't I don't know what the televised nature of that is going to be if anything. I know it's open <laughs> to the public down in Phoenix, but I don't know if there's going to be a stream or anything. Probably not. Uh but then after that they're going down uh to Empire Polo Club in India once again. Uh the place where one year ago I contracted the novel coronavirus <laughs> to uh <laughs> and then came home and had to recover in time to go to Italy um absolutely crazy scenes last year for that but they're the timbers are going down there to play some games get some training in uh in preseason uh and then the the regular season is is right around the freaking corner we got uh, four weeks a month away now yeah four weeks until the colorado game at home uh on uh on the 24th of february so th- things are starting to take shape and, and some stuff has happened you know including some stuff uh, has know, happened we- and some stuff has been hinted at Yes, exactly. It, some of it with vulgar language, but we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, we we won't be using vulgar tisk, language. Tisk. But this we'll, is a family we'll, show. <laughs> I know. Gosh darn it. Um, <laughs> so the, <laughs> the the moves that have happened, uh, one of them was on the day that we last recorded. Uh, so we didn't get to it because it happened later that day. Uh, and it's it's been probably the biggest one other than Kamal Miller. Uh, this offseason is, is Maxime Cripo, uh, who signed from LAFC, the goalkeeper, um, Canadian international. So Canada power in Portland That's, continues yeah, to be I mean, a thing. Our, our Canadian overlords. I feel like I need, I need an opinion on Justin Trudeau now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you might you might want to form one. Yeah, yeah um, we'll see. <laughs> so uh, Maxime signed, and that's obviously a, an upgrade at the goalkeeper spot, um, and somebody who has proven themselves as one of the top goalkeepers in MLS, um, and and I think was was a sign of strong ambition on the part of of the Timbers to make a signing like that after making the move to get Kamal Miller from Inter Miami. Right, those are two guys. Yeah, that's a coup. I, I think that. 
you know, some some folks are saying there is more to come using colorful language to say so. But um, they're not clucking around. No, they're they're not no clucking chickens around. in this club. Yeah, they're not clucking around so far either. I think I think that those are two good moves. Uh, there there are definitely holes to continue to fill. A new one we found out about yesterday Jimmy with Christmas, Claudio yeah. Bravo. Yeah, that's that's really awful. He's he had knee surgery. He's out ten to twelve weeks. <laughs> Sounds uh, similar like a knee surgery to yeah, Felipe as Mora, you pointed out, which yeah. like should make some folks pretty nervous, given that how that experience went. Um, that's not to say that this is going to turn out the same way, but obviously there's some some sort of recent trauma uh, in in that kind of thing, and and I think that's that that's concerning. It's also just it's weird how often the timbers have players show up to camp and like show up with these sort of long-term injuries that they seemingly didn't have at the end of the previous season or that weren't caught. It's just weird. Like, I don't know if it's just bad luck or if there's something behind it, I don't know what it is. Uh, and so I don't really have a hot take on it, but it's a weird trend uh, that's happened kind of a lot over the course of the last uh, couple of three years. Yeah, and it just sucks. Like it's just it's it's hampering your ability to come out of the gates strong yeah, even more absolutely. than 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 maybe a, a lack of additional moves would, right? So now they have that sort of a a hole to fill it outside back. Um, it's probably the thinnest spot on the roster right now. I mean, yeah. honestly, if if there's one place that you'd say they absolutely can't afford an injury right now, it's probably fullback is is it um, because it's it's Claudio Bravo. Uh, Juan David Mascara and like Eric Miller on a pinch. Uh, that's it. Um, and Harvey Neville, and, maybe. <laughs> and Harvey Neville. Does Ned Grabaway have any kids? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't, he I don't does, know if he has but, kids. Uh, but I, I believe they're too young to. Um, How young are we talking? Uh, not they're not even like Timbers Academy age, right? Okay. I mean, he's he's pretty young. I, I I think his kids are like in like elementary or middle school i don't i don't remember 100 percent off the top of my head uh yeah i mean <laughs> look <laughs> i the only thing i'll say about this is, from his inner miami experience it doesn't he's 21 years old so a young player it doesn't look like he is at sort of an mls level yet uh inner miami very quickly sort of loaned him out after they parted ways with phil neville uh there appears to be some degree of wrestling match feels like probably a pretty stupid wrestling match uh, between Miami and Portland right now. There are weird statements right, coming out of the Miami camp about it. Like for clearly they're not sake, interested he, yeah. in the player. So he's on trial with, with Portland, which, but... which by the way is funny. <laughs> like on trial. You don't know that he, he's your son. You don't know the kid. <laughs> you got to try him out first. <laughs> I, yeah, I think that's more of a, a semantics thing than anything yes, because, but I'm, because I'm, he is I'm still not under let the contract. Go because it's very silly. Um, <laughs> it is very silly, and and we're just we're gonna skew him for it a little bit. It is funny when your dad's the coach, but um, he's the reason for I believe that those semantics is that yeah he's still under contract yeah. within Miami, and so there is that wrestling match happening that you're talking about where they're trying to figure out you know what to do with them. Um, it's just but, a weird wrestling now, match like, where like you look at the two people who are wrestling and you're like, I actually don't think anybody cares about this. <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, notwithstanding that, I mean, look, the only thing uh, I'll say, it, it hasn't looked like it in his career and he's a young player. You know, he doesn't look like an MLS level contributor at this point. Uh, does that mean that he never will be? No, of course not. He may yet develop into, in, into that. 
Um, so, you know, that is, that is what it is. Uh, I hope that there are structures in place <laughs> with the timbers so that people other than Phil Neville are, you know, making the call as to whether and what kind of contract, uh, Harvey would get. Uh, that is only fair to Harvey. That is only fair to the club. It's only fair to all the other players in the locker room. Um, but that's that's my my only real take on that, uh, other than making fun of the fact that he is on trial with his dad. <laughs> Aren't we all? Uh, <laughs> Maxime Crippo, uh, circling back there, uh, what what is sort of your, your thousand foot view of, of, of that and sort of the solidification, if that's a word, of the sort of the back area with two Canadians added to the one Canadian in Zach McGraw that, that was there. And then Dario Zuperic, who appears to not be getting traded and is probably the third piece of a three-man uh, center back that trio that is sort of developing back there. Yeah, I mean, uh, so the the Crepeau signing, I th I think, was a coup. Frankly, um, it's a it's a really good move. Uh, uh, frankly, a move that I wouldn't have expected the Timbers to make or to be able to make. And so, uh, a tip of the cap to to Ned Grabovoy and Phil Neville for pulling that off. Uh, I think it's a it's it's a bold one, uh, and I think Crepeau is a really good goalkeeper. And so, you know, as long as he doesn't fall victim to the uh, to the Timbers pattern of having good goalkeepers for one year and then like something mysterious happens to them and, and, and they're no longer a good goalkeeper or like they leave or something, as long as that doesn't happen, uh, the, I, th I think this is a tremendous move. And, uh, you know, I it's it, it is. I think the the goalkeeping unit has obviously completely been uh, been reworked from last year with Elijah still formally there, but obviously on the way out. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that is that that is great. That was a, a thing that you know one of the boxes that the Timbers needed to tick this offseason, and they've ticked it. Uh, similarly, with Kamal Miller, I think I think that was a, a that's a move I like quite a bit. Uh, I am worried. <laughs> quite worried uh about what happens to the timbers when when they have to play when you know folks are called up to canada uh that's gonna be a lot of guys who are gonna be gone and i'm just like worried about having the bodies to to fill those spots because james pantemis is gonna be in that uh you you you've got uh, of course zachary mcgraw and kamal miller who are gonna be uh in, in that boat along with crepo but, you know, I mean, aside from that, I, I, I like those moves. I think there's still additional depth to be sorted out on the back line. We'll see what ends up happening with Zuperich. I think my guess is that situation has some degree of fluidity to it. If the Timbers are, are thinking that they might go three at the back fairly consistently, it probably makes sense to, to keep him. I don't know if he is going to be wild about taking a role in which he's not a regular starter. And I don't think he would be with Miller and McGraw. Yeah. He's an MLS starter, even at this stage in his yeah, career. I think so too. And so we'll, we'll see how that plays out uh, because if they move him, the, then they probably need to bring in another sort of MLS level contributor uh, in, in, in that role. Uh, but uh, you know, I mean, a, if their three sort of principal center backs are Miller, McGraw, and Zuparich, I think that's a pretty good unit. 
Yeah, I think so too. And um, in terms of depth, it, it's going to, in in those positions, be somebody like Eric Miller who can either play as like a quasi outside back, but it's more they, of like a left sided center yeah, back in, in the, like that situation. They probably need to bring in one more, uh, would be my yeah. guess. Uh, and, but, but the others are Miguel Araujo and Larry yeah, Smaviel. I, mean, I, I so, totally just memory yeah. hold Miguel Araujo. Honestly, like between those four, A, it feels like there's a, probably more money. Uh, committed there than uh than is optimal uh in terms of cap space so but you know i mean that there's there's a lot of sort of on paper talent in that center back room uh at this point which we couldn't say at the end of last year and and kamal miller coming in really sort of changes the level uh of that group i still think there's some fluidity there in terms of who's actually going to be there i mean we'll see what happens um in 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 that respect fullback as we've discussed is absolutely an area where they need to find some depth i think the only backup fullback on the roster right now who is not a trialist with his dad uh well is is eric miller so obviously that's an area that they're going to need to need to uh address with an additional signing or two um uh, but you know, I mean, that's you know, fullback depth. If if you're sitting, if we were sitting here in late January, and the only thing the Timbers needed to address on the roster was fullback depth, you'd be saying they're in pretty good shape uh, heading into the season. There's yeah, there's I, there's a a a little there there are more holes than that, but the Timbers are not clucking around and trying to fill those. Yes, and speaking of of not clucking around uh, as a chicken might, um, so so there was it's a common practice if you're a if you're a member of the media and you attend portland timbers training um either now or in the past you're probably gonna see Merritt paulson at some point like a few times a month possibly depending <laughs> on how often you go um and Merritt is somebody that um he likes to likes to talk about you know stuff that's in the works and and sort of share things. He's a talk. Maybe to, he, he likes to talk about stuff and and maybe that you know that causes some headaches for people in media relations sometimes because sometimes that goes slightly too far and he, they're talking about things that aren't official yet and so with that in mind, um, you know Rocky Cerna, uh, friend of the pod, was at the um, one of the more recent trainings i believe it was either yesterday's or tuesday's um and Merritt came by and said that there are two of the biggest signings in club history on on deck and that they're not clucking around the, but the maybe two re- biggest signings in, I, I think you said the two the biggest two. signings, signings yeah. in club history yeah Cluck if you he was Diego quoted Valeri. <laughs> yeah if he was quoted correctly too which you know we fair enough we will leave that to people's judgment, but either way, like it's, it's something to keep an eye on because he said it. So though, you know, if they have two other major moves in the works and they are more likely to happen than not, which we don't know for sure, because it wasn't an official public statement. It was sort of a in passing thing that was said. So I don't know where the obvious area obviously is in like a young DP or a DP attacking player. That's been something that has been talked about even publicly in press conferences for a while where, where the person fits, how much they cost, how immediate their impact is going to be. We don't really know. 
but that's that's something to sort of keep an eye on over the next few weeks and, if those things develop. And look, I'll from my half decade plus of of covering the team and dealing with this stuff, I'll provide some context from my experience. Merritt obviously knows a lot. He keeps his thumb really closely on the pulse of what's going on, especially in terms of player moves and stuff like that. He's very, very involved with that. And I mean, I think all evidence that we've seen from public reporting uh, indicates that he remains very, very involved uh, in those sorts of things, especially on the soccer side of the operation. So when he says something like this, he's not saying it as a person who's uninformed. He knows what's going on. He knows what they're trying to do and all of that stuff. When it comes to these things, I would also characterize Merritt as an incorrigible optimist uh, where, you know, every every guy they sign is going to be awesome. <laughs> every move they're making is a big move. Uh, and like, I, I think in some respects, it's even an admirable. I mean, that's a, I, I, you would sort of want, uh, you know, somebody in his position to be to have a mindset at least like that. Right. You don't want you don't want somebody signing. Uh, the team signing guy, he's like, yeah, this guy stinks. <laughs> he's not good. Yeah, and to and to have the desire to invest <laughs> yeah. too, even if it if it doesn't necessarily work out. The talking about doing stuff like that is more than a lot of owners do. And so, so. and so the 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 phrase using the phrase incorrigible optimist, I'm not throwing shade uh, by by saying that. I think that that's sort of just just how it is. Um, and and so yeah, so you know, I I think it is very fair to look at that as a, as a statement of of the Timbers' intent, uh, in terms of what they want to do with these with these signings and what they're hoping for. Uh, I would I would also just caution to temper expectations maybe ever so slightly <laughs> in that regard. And frankly, if if Ned Grabavoy were on the show today, I think he would probably be saying the same thing. Please, for the love of God. Do not hold me to the expectation of making the two biggest signings in club history over the course of the next four weeks. For goodness' sake, that is yeah, because <laughs> because people need to keep in mind the biggest signing in club history right now is Evander in terms of money, in terms not of money. in terms of necessarily of output. He could end up being the, that in terms of output. We don't know yet, but in terms of money, it was Evander, and that was ten million dollars. So if there are two things on the docket that are bigger quote unquote than that a lot of money um that's that's a bfd so we'll we'll keep an eye on that for sure as to whether there is truth to such statements yeah but but it, there it, have been a, it, it's a demonstration yeah. that what they're trying to that, that they are at least considering uh some pretty bold signings um uh, yeah which i think would be very welcome uh if if that's the case uh i you know it's also just a market departure from what their messaging has been on this I think their you, your their messaging, which has largely come through Tom Bogert, has been they're looking to make one you know DP signing and maybe a second. Uh, that's obviously a lot more cautious than not clucking around. Um, and and you know uh, I I think it it the the you know the outcome will fall somewhere between those two markers, and we'll see exactly where it goes. But you know clearly they they are trying to take some big swings right now, uh, and. Uh, I think it's fair to say that it would have been nice if if some of this stuff had been sort of in the works and, and approaching doneness sooner. Uh, but lots of teams are in that same boat. Uh, there was a ton of work that the Timbers needed to do this offseason. They've done some of it, and they've done, I think, some of it well. But again, that's that that's not going to be a complete offseason if uh, given the overhaul that was necessary, if that's where it ends. And so these next moves, yeah. I think, are going to sort out sort of where we rate this this transfer window in terms of success or lack thereof. 
Yeah, and and there are so many snags that things like this can hit too. Like these these things can be imminent up until the moment that they're not right. They can be about to happen, and especially then, oh. these kinds of signings, it's easy yeah. to sign to sign a death piece, right? Um, these kinds it's of easy signings, to trade in MLS. Right. You know, it's yeah. These kinds of signings are are very competitive, and which means there are lots of places where they can be derailed, and uh, and so I think that's that's. You know, it sounds like that's the market in which the Timbers are playing, uh, which means there may be, you know, tremendous signings at the end of it, or it may mean that there's disappointment at the end of it. We'll see. Uh, it's Ned Grabovoy's job, uh, and I think he probably could have done without merit setting the expectations for what he was going to deliver, but the bar is high, and it's now uh, it's now his job to clear it. One small piece of that that I've, I've found interesting in just, you know, some of Phil Neville's comments this week um, was he mentioned that Evander is, is in pursuit of his green card, which means that that'll open up an international slot for the Timbers provide an opportunity for them to, to bring in another player from, from another country. And so that that's, that's most players mind you when you're in an MLS team. So that any and all, you know, additional freedom and flexibility they can provide themselves is good. Um, a couple of other notes, obviously the Bravo injury is rough that, that, 10 to 12 weeks for him. Uh, we, we already have sort of talked about the, the lack of depth there. Um, Sawyer Jura signed a first team deal that will kick in, I believe after either this year or next year where he'll, he'll become sort of a first team player. He's, he's going to be with T2 up until then, but you know, grew up in bend as a kid, his family came to Timbers games, um, really cool pictures, uh, sort of side by side of him and his brother and, and their parents at a Timbers game like 10 years ago. And then now he's, he's a young man that's getting ready to, to pursue a professional soccer career. And it's with the Timbers. I mean, how that type of stuff, it happens, uh, around MLS and has happened before and is always good when you see it. But this is the, one of the first ones I remember seeing for the Timbers. And I think is a really exciting and interesting moment for the team. And, and, you know, with that and with, you know, the three T2 players who are, excuse me, the three Academy players who signed with T2, um, you know, that that's a, you know, even if they are sort of initial steps, that's that's a sort of, you know, evident investment in the academy system that frankly has not been there for the last few years and has has drawn a lot of the ire of Timbers fans who've been frustrated by the lack of, of sort of dedication and commitment and investment into the academy. So it's that those are cool things to see, I think. Yeah. So I, I have a slightly different take. I actually think in terms of the transactions themselves, they're not that different from what the Timbers have done in the past. We've seen lots of, of guys from the academy come up through T2 uh, or, or even through the first team, Blake Bodily, Foster Langsdorf, Marco Farfan. We've seen some guys like that that have come through the first team, some some through T2, Junior Anguiano. I, I mean, there, there are a number that have that have sort of come through. So I don't know if that's all that different. What I think is different and I think might be significant is the amount of noise the Timbers are making about it, uh, which I actually do think is important uh, because I think the Timbers have a reputation as not being a team that is going to move players up through its academy into its professional outfits. And look, uh, anymore, and it, this is especially true in Portland, 
these MLS academies are really having to be active in recruiting players, frankly, from around the country. Uh, you have a lot of players coming in from not the Portland, you know, Oregon area. Uh, and, and a huge selling point, obviously, for especially quality players coming in from elsewhere is going to be the path to the pros. And as I mean, it, MLS folks, they don't care, but they're, they would be delighted with the fact that I just used that phrase um, because that's like the path to the pros. That's the, the that's it. But I mean, it, that's obviously an important consideration for anybody who's, you know, if you've got a 15, a highly rated 15 or 16 year old who's looking to sign on with an MLS Academy, that's going to be something they're thinking about. And so the fact that that they're doing these things to make that a little bit more prominent, even as down to the level as being as dumb as now having a Timbers Academy Twitter account, maybe like a, a little bit late in the Twitter game uh, to be to be jumping on that. But like, but they had no social media presence before. Doing those sorts of things, I actually think is a little bit important because it at times in the past has felt like the Academy has been treated as a sort of you know, the appendix of, of the Timbers organization, sort of a, a, a forgotten organ. That's not, uh, that, that, that's not being, uh, you know, paid a ton of attention to, uh, and if that's the case, if that's how you're treating the Academy, that sort of seals its fate. But if you're treating it as, as a vital organ, uh, as something that is a really important part of the organization, then I think that gives it a chance, um, to become something that's that's more productive and so i i think i'm not sure i would go so far as to say that these are you know moves that are really marked departures from practice in the past but the fact that they do appear to be putting a lot more emphasis on them uh, i think is a departure uh, and it's a welcome one oh doing the classic on mute thing as though, as though this is your first, your first virtual, uh, virtual, you know, meeting or or podcast, uh, it, it, you know, that you've done in two thousand twenty-four. Yeah, not, not like we haven't been on Zoom for three years here, right? That's right. So, so Four that's years. that's a classic. Oh, Got geez. a full presidential term on Zoom now. Yeah, it's election season, baby. Let's rock. Uh, <laughs> so, so those those are, I think, significant going to potentially be a sign of significance to come. That's a long way of saying that it's it's the prelude to maybe something that that I think could be better than the past. There, you know, even having the social media presence is big. You know, this is this is late for sure on that front. But the the they're giving these kids shine too. They're, they're showing off, you know, the, the goals they're scoring and like the stuff they're doing at training and the personalities like they, that that's fun. That's exciting. Regardless of whether they have the quote unquote path to the pros, like these, these kids, you know, that's, this means a lot to them. So it's very cool. Um, and, and for Sawyer, obviously that's, that's such a cool story yeah. and, and really cool story. He, and a great moment a chance. For him. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great moment for him, and hopefully he gets a chance to to make that jump in the next couple of years and and prove that he's an MLS caliber player, you know, and and that adds to the to the significance of the story if if that happens. Try to beat out Harvey, um, Harvey Neville. Yeah, there's the battle that everyone's been waiting for. <laughs> um, so a couple other notes: Sebastian Blanco signed with San Lorenzo in Argentina. That was 
pretty much expected as sort of his his potentially final year in soccer. Similar path as as you noted off air to what Diego Valeri did going back to Lanús. Um, so yeah, not quite sort of a, a you know childhood club uh, kind of thing for for Seba. Seba came to San Lorenzo previously before he went to the Timbers, uh, but as a professional. Um, but certainly sort of made an impression and laid down some roots in his uh, in his days at San Lorenzo. Uh, everybody seems excited about the return. Uh, Seba, chief among them. Uh, and, and hopefully it, it's a it's a tremendous sort of uh, final act in his career. Yeah. yeah, And he's a great guy. So I, I think he deserves to find that sort of happiness um, in the game again uh, after what's been a difficult couple of years uh, for him in Portland. So there's that departure and then you know we talked before about jimmy chara uh departing for columbia so so he's down there and he scored a goal so good good for jimmy getting back in, I, in I the scoring score. department i expect he'll i yeah. mean when he has played in columbia he's been very good that's actually kind of been the thing for him is when he's played in columbia he's been very good uh throughout his career it's been when he's gone to other leagues where he's had more difficulty you saw that in brazil where he was i think okay not great um Similar experience in Mexico for a couple different teams, uh, and I think a similar experience in MLS. But man, hey, when he's been playing down in Colombia over the course of his career, he's been a dominant player, uh, which is what has sort of opened up the doors that he's uh, gone through over the course of his career. So hopefully that will yeah. also work out well for him. Uh, you know, only uh, only good vibes going to members of the Chara family, uh, and hopefully that that is for him a, a, another really productive and really fruitful move. Definitely. And, you know, the the biggest departure that that folks are talking about right now uh, is not a player one. It's a coach one. Uh, Miles Joseph, who filled in as as interim coach after Gio was uh, fired in the middle of the season, uh, he, he was like at this point, Phil Neville's top assistant coach and now is leaving for Charlotte FC for an associate head coach position right before the season starts, which, um, you know, given how. You know, important it seemed to Phil to keep Miles on staff, to keep Reggie on staff, Memo Valencia, and others that had been there under Gio. Um, yeah, that's that's a hole that they they definitely are going to want to fill because you know Neville is. Oh God, that was an unintentional was pun, great. wasn't it? That was great. Oh, dude, I saw your smirk. <laughs> I saw you smirk. Oh, dude, that's embarrassing. That's a hole they will want to fill for Phil. Yes, like it. They he needs a, a top assistant um, to to join assistants like Memo and and Riggi and others um, to to make his job easier because otherwise a lot's going to fall on him as as a first year coach in Portland. Not a first year coach overall by any means. He has plenty of experience. But, um, you know, they didn't end up getting Jason Christ like had been rumored. And that would have been somebody that could have taken on that type of role. So we'll see if they make any sort of inroads on that front. But that's a tough loss not having Miles. It is a tough loss not having uh, not having Miles. And I mean, look, uh, on, on one level, it's it's totally unsurprising, right? This happens all the time when you bring in a new head coach that there's going to be turnover in the assistant coach ranks. It happens all the time. So that is not a surprise. Uh, I think what makes it a bit surprising is that they were not coy about the fact that they wanted to keep Miles Joseph uh, when they hired Phil Neville. Uh, all the communication was that the, I mean, I think it's fair to say even expectation at very least aspiration uh, was to have him be that top assistant. And, uh, and so 
you know, now a few months later to see him jump for an opportunity at Charlotte that's that looks more or less like a lateral move does raise some eyebrows. And I, and, and I think with sort of the 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 rumored reported connection to Christ uh, and then him going elsewhere that I mean, that's just more, frankly, messiness than you ordinarily see when it comes to a new coach putting together his coaching staff. Uh, is that significant? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, but it is notable that there's just been, yeah, I mean, you don't usually see new coaches associated with multiple assistant coaches who then end up not coming. And so, you know, maybe it's just sort of a, 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 a happenstance. Um, but it's, it's a little bit unusual. Uh, and, uh, I think it, it, you know, now opens up some questions about what, uh, what Phil's coaching staff is, is going to look like. Gary Neville, assistant coach. I mean, why not (laughs) just bring them all in (laughs) all the the Neville's to make it a family affair. Yeah, that that'd be that'd be interesting if that ever happened. There's there's no even rumor out there to Gary suggest Neville that of, that, of that Beckham documentary fame. I just finished that, by the way. The oh yeah, I, I, we watched that recently too. I I really enjoyed it. And it, they interviewed Phil a couple times too. Yeah. So that and was kind of like, oh, Miami, there's Phil. Uh, uh, the strip. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it was interesting. Like I by the end of it, I came away liking Beckham significantly less than I did. <laughs> than I did beforehand, which frankly is like a little bit counterintuitive given that it was very clearly a, it was a, well done. I'm not criticizing the, the, the makers of the documentary. Sure. They did a great job. Um, but it was, it was clearly s- sort of a, a gentle portrayal, um, of, of Beckham's career, uh, a friendly documentary. It was, it was, it was, question. it was yeah. told from a friendly perspective. <laughs> and nonetheless, at the end of it, I was like, this guy, like, I like him less than I did at the beginning. Oh, yeah. And I learned a lot that yeah. I didn't know. And, and there was just, a lot of stuff that there that were, that were sort of like trips down the memory lanes. Those those Galacticos uh, Real Madrid team. I mean, there there are like a number of folks uh, who I've talked to like since who were like, man, like that is the team that made me love soccer. And like for good reason, that team was insane. Yeah, millions of people around the world. That was and the case. That team for. was incredible. I mean, Luis Figo, Zinedine Zidane, OG Ronaldo, uh, Roberto Carlos. And like, I mean, one of the things that the that the documentary totally glossed over is that like at no time was Beckham even close to the best player on that team. No, he was like sixth or seventh best <laughs> yeah. at, at best on that team, yeah. which was the interesting part. I, I don't think that they talked about it much, but it was very interesting that he sort of jumped into that despite being he, he was he was like the most famous yeah, when he got there, because of all the international like cool guy stuff that his had became international his cool guy. Aura. That is that is like <laughs> that is what, what David Beckham was 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 sort of his best and highest use as a soccer player was his international cool guy. Good soccer player. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes very good, maybe borderline great, but never never sort of a top five player in the world kind of guy. Yeah. And and but definitely top five in terms of fame. And so that That's was right. that was the biggest part of that documentary that was interesting to me. So definitely worth a watch, worth I a watch. think. E- yeah, even if it's you lots know, of shade it, thrown on MLS, which is like on one hand, totally like understandable and correct and undisputed that especially when he came into MLS, it was not like yeah, especially, an amazing especially at that time. Like you know, it, it was even rougher it sees yeah, at that point sure. than it is but now. Also, so. he was never even the best player on his own LA Galaxy team. So how am 
much standing does Beckham really have to make that point? It's it is it's his documentary. <laughs> it's it, it's his documentary with a little bit of like accidental self own. Yeah, but it was cool. It was cool. So. Yeah, it was it was an entertaining watch. Uh, Victoria Beckham, uh, honestly, like it seems like a pretty it was portrayed very much as like a pretty cool, like well adjusted person. Yeah, other than the the thing that went viral of him peeking in and being like, "What car did your dad drive when you were growing up?" and talking about she she was talking about her family as working class, which yeah, you know, but compared as, to as, David, as yeah. between as between the two of them, which of them like came out of that pot or that 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 documentary looking more full of spit? Uh, David was by far more full of spit <laughs> than Victoria yeah. was. A compelling character, nonetheless, though. So it was it was an interesting one for sure. Victoria, for the um, most part, not clucking around. No, no, not a chicken at all. <laughs> yeah, she seems she seems like she's she runs runs things over there. It's very cool to to see their dynamic, um, and and they've been through a lot. So it's it's yeah. interesting, like as a public people. So That's it's right. interesting. But uh, that, any, that was any a rest- weird aside to finish the podcast. Yeah, but that was a very was, strange, was- strange, like lengthy discussion. Uh, but maybe we can end on like restaurants. What do you think? Like, what? What have you been to? Like any? Have you been out much lately? Uh, my my ice liberation meal was at Phuket Cafe, which is it. Re- I've been there a few times, but it remains awesome. It is awesome. nice. And I've heard good so. things about yeah, that. I still need to get it. out there. I mean, it, it's it's sort of like the the weekday more casual takedown of Longbon, which they've got in the same space on uh, on uh, like Friday nights and and the like. Um, and Longbon is is if you haven't been, uh, highly recommend uh, experience. Um, but Phuket Cafe is is very tasty uh and so that was that was my most recent uh foray it was a great uh ice liberation meal yeah ours was like the ice wasn't fully gone when we went to eam but we went to eam to sort of like get get back out and support the restaurants and that was obviously you know a good spot um you know some folks were a little critical of that they were like oh eam's always crowded and it's like it, is, it wasn't crowded when the ice was there oh, really? and they were had you, to close. You were, you were able to get in early. It, it, Eamon is a, is, is a place that is absolutely worth going and putting your name in, going and getting a drink somewhere, and when they text you coming back. It's a, a great spot. Um, a really fun collaboration. Yeah, cool spot. So a lot, lot of them in Portland. I still have a long list of ones that I want to LBM, try. We so. got more of these if you want to stop by. Yes. We can go all day. Yeah, get Rex, Rex for days so many wrecks we will also so. have questions about the future of the portland thorns yes we will so please come on we would love it we'll wrap it up there thanks for joining us y'all follow us on twitter soccer maiden pdx chris reifer ryan t clark like us subscribe to us do all the things to show that people are listening to this podcast and they care it's important and you know we're, we're happy to continue to keep doing this we'll be doing it more frequently obviously as the season gets rolling in these next few weeks but we appreciate you being patient with us in this uh, dead of winter so thanks for joining us again and we'll catch you next time 